in high school, there's a lot of times when you feel that teachers are creepy or you hear rumors about teachers being creepy, but there's never enough actually done or there's not enough evidence. But it wasn't until just during this pandemic when I was reflecting on things that happened in college and my friends started asking me, remember when someone said this to you? Remember when this happened? That I actually realized all of this and I pretty much cried in my room for two days because I just couldn't believe all the manipulation and the abuse that me and other girls had to go through. Hello and welcome back to the Prospector Podcast. Today's episode covers the concerning issue of teacher grooming at Cupertino High School. As multiple former and current students anonymously reported their uncomfortable stories with DHS teachers. In this first part of a two-part series, we lay out the problem both from a student and administration perspective. This issue was uncovered by CHS alum and activist Jasmine Till through a series of tweets and Instagram posts. Here's Jasmine explaining how she came to speak up about this issue. So Jasmine, just to start out, how did you first come across this issue or hear about it? Well, I knew there was something seriously wrong because there were many incidences where I felt wow, he really should not be doing this, right? Like, why is he asking me to go to his hotel room at 11 p.m.? Or why is he touching that girl? Or why is he texting me about his love life? All these different issues. But there was so much on the line. For example, like, hypothetically, if everyone is on a team, whether that's sports or extracurricular club, if I or someone else were to feel uncomfortable, but we weren't actually, let's say, assaulted, then would it be enough for us to report them and if they were to lose their jobs or their roles in that team or as the advisor of a club that would ruin over a hundred students careers and their everyday identities and their lives and everything that they know right that would ruin their future letters or recommendations that would ruin their careers in that sport or in that club and i i just think that as a high schooler we're all under so much pressure already yeah it's very difficult for us to make that decision when we don't have clear vision of what is right and what is wrong. Yeah, so when did you decide to actually speak out and start posting about it and raising awareness about this issue? And how did you decide to like do that? I think if anyone knew me in high school, they would know that I'm not someone that can just watch things happen and let it happen when I know it's wrong. So for me, After I graduated and I knew of stuff that happened at Cupertino High School, I can't even, like, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that every other day or every few days, I would think about what happened. And I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking to other students and other teachers. I would think about how disgusting it was and how unsafe Cupertino High School was and how there's teachers that are still teaching that are predators. And it would break my heart. It would break my heart knowing that I am safe from that environment now because I'm graduated, but there will be thousands of students that are exposed to predators like that. And knowing that my sister was still in school during that time, that was the scariest thing, right? Because nobody wants to send their child to a school where there's predators. But unfortunately, we have to realize that this is not a Cupertino high school issue. This is an issue in every corner of the world from Hollywood to banking to sports to the food industry every industry has predators every industry has abuse of power Mm -hmm. but no one's able to talk about it in high school 
And there's a reason for that. The law was not made for us to take proactive action against dangerous people. The law was made so that when dangerous things happen, when crimes are made, then we punish them. If the law says don't have sex with students, then the baseline is that the teachers won't have sex with students. But that doesn't mean the teachers can't be creepy and they can't make students uncomfortable and they can't spend extreme hours with students manipulating them, right? So for me, it was during during shelter in place that I was reflecting on all of this. And in those two days that I was literally crying in bed, realizing how horrifying this is for current students to be in a classroom, to have advisors like this, to have coaches like this, to have teachers that they have to look up to every day that are predators. I couldn't live with myself. So the day that I realized that this was happening, if you look at the timestamp of my tweets, they go from 12 a.m. to 7 a.m. because I literally could not sleep. And I was just doing everything I could to raise awareness. Because if you if I'm being honest, like there's no way that I could have predicted this movement, right? For me, it was really just about starting this conversation because nobody was talking about it. Mm -hmm. Even when I talk about the other girls that experienced the same thing with what I experienced with the same predator, we all thought we were alone, right? Mm -hmm. No one was talking Mm -hmm. about it. A lot of the people in the society victim blame. And I, I honestly, like, I understand why people victim blame because we're in a very competitive environment. So if you see, let's say, a girl hanging out with your male advisor a lot, you don't automatically think, oh, he might be abusive or he might be a predator. You think, wow, um, she really wants to get officer or she really wants a good letter of rec or she really wants to get on his good side. But there's so many deeper levels to that because even if you think that now, imagine how we're going to think when we both want the promotion to become the CEO of a company. Imagine what we have to go through, right? So I think that's why I started this conversation and I knew that I had to post about it because the only way to change the culture and help people to stop victim blame and help people understand how serious of a problem is, is to share my own story. And the reason why I didn't name any names is because this is a cultural problem, because this is a widespread problem that is bad enough that I can say predator teachers and people can name multiple. Yeah. So when you started to- tweeting about this from your own like experience and what you've heard, was that when other students started reaching out to you and like telling them about their stories as well? So you were able to take those stories to the administration later on? Yeah. I made my post at like 7.30 a.m. a month ago, right? And when I made that post, literally all I was expecting was like 10 people to message me and say, oh my gosh, I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. But right now, like at least... 6,000 people have seen that post and I've mis- I've received hundreds and hundreds of messages. So in that first day alone, I received over like 200 messages from students that graduated in the class of 2008 to current freshmen in high school. And I think that just shows you how serious of a problem it is. Yeah. That teachers that are still teaching have been predators to students that graduated over 10 years ago who are now in their late 20s. Mm-hmm. And I found myself being very emotionally burdened because the first three days that I posted that post I was really trying to comfort like over 300 girls and 300 students which was like a lot for me but I realized that this is definitely something in my journey as an activist that we do have to take care of our emotional energy in ourselves but yeah definitely in those first three days like I received so many messages I don't think people can understand how how heartbreaking it was to read every single girl's messages. And I was super careful. Um, Mm. 
because people trust me with their stories, right? And it's just so many of them, like, were telling me, wow, I felt everything that you said in those tweets, but I never knew how to word it. Or I felt everything in those tweets and I actually reported it. And all the administration did was give me a different teacher or put me in a different period. And the teacher is still there. Or current students would tell me, yeah, I feel super uncomfortable with that teacher as my advisor, as my teacher. And I would never be in the same room with him one-on-one because I'm so scared of him. But I don't have evidence to report him. So what can I do? So all of these students were just, their eyes were open to this conversation and they just felt like wow there's someone else in the world that actually understands this situation and I think the situation is so important to talk about because this is not about wow like we all got harassed by the same teacher right this is about wow this is a overwhelmingly serious problem that's ingrained in our law to the point where teachers can get away with so much So is there something that is unique, something uh, that's especially bad about in our school? That's such a great question. My easy answer is, yes, this is happening in other districts. This is happening around the world. Mm -hmm. This has happened since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. But I think Cupertino High School in this past decade has unintentionally or intentionally swept things under the rug too many times. There are teachers that have multiple reports where many people have reported them and they're still teaching. And I don't blame Cupertino High School. I think what people don't realize is what we're doing as a public school is following the law. The law is where it's broken, right? Let me give you an example. The law says, for example, don't sell drugs to kids or don't have sex with your students or um, let's say don't date your students while they're in school, right? But that doesn't cover everything. Teachers are still not held accountable to the way that they flirt with students or the way that they continue to manipulate a hierarchy where only males can become president of a club and females have to work 500 times harder and have to spend 300 times more hours with the coach or just there's so much room for manipulation that the law can't cover and I don't think that the law should cover every single incident because Mm -hmm. then we become rule followers and we don't proactively seek out safe behavior you know? So I know that this is a problem everywhere because I receive messages from students in every single high school in this district. I receive messages from people at Gun High, Doherty Valley, students from New Jersey. You know, I receive students all around California, like messages were popping up everywhere. And I think that's when I knew, yeah, like I definitely need to take action. Here's the Cupertino High School principal, Cami Tomberlain, explaining her initial response and reaction. Well, my first reaction, it was um, a a bit of a gut punch uh, because initially what she posted was very broad and very shocking in terms of the allegations. And uh, first of all, I hope there's nothing there that I don't already know and I've already addressed. What have I missed? You know, there were lots of questions like that. And so as soon as I saw it, a couple of teachers shared it with me because they had seen it on social media. So I called Jasmine because I remember her from when she was a student here. And um, so I called and talked to her that day, largely because if there are things like that going on, I want to know because I want to put a stop to it. Can you just give like a brief overview of your, from your perspective what the problem actually is? There were some individuals who felt uncomfortable about some interactions that had taken place between a few staff members and students. There was a range of things that were shared with me. 
a few things that I thought crossed a big bright red line. Like if you imagine like things that are large number of things that are acceptable practice that are positive practice in terms of adults getting to know their students so that they can teach them better and things like that. There was a lot of stuff in, from in that range. And then there were a couple of things, things that were said by a student adults and on this campus. Um, and I've since heard from Jasmine that people from other campuses have shared that with her as well. Mm -hmm. um, that really did cross what I would think was a strong red line in terms of what would be acceptable for an adult to say to a child or to a young adult, to a teenager. Um, and so um, it ranged from, that's weird, he always tries to be nice to me, right? Like, why does he always want to talk to me? And I'm like, well, because he's trying to draw you out a little bit and because you're super quiet in class and he's asking you those kinds of questions. So I had some people writing in about that. Is that what this is? And I'm like, no, that's not what that is. And then there were some other things where things that individuals who no longer work here uh, would say things like um, things that were sexual in nature, even if they didn't like touch anybody or approach someone uh, for sexual purposes, they would say things so that we've had some adults who apparently were saying things to kids that they shouldn't have been um, because they related to either the, the adults own love life and trying to draw students in or kids into discussing that mm -hmm. which is totally not okay or necessary um, y'all are not supposed to be there to uh, meet the needs of the teacher or the coach or the other adult the whole purpose of grooming is to lower the child's inhibitions with the objective of sexual abuse grooming um, implies secrecy so uh, it implies the idea that um, separation from loved ones or from peer group, right? It, um, so a person who has a goal of sexual abuse of a child or a young person might start buying that person presents that might, you know, and then sort of testing the waters like, oh, I, got, I found this book that you might like. Okay, that worked. Wow, here's a, I got you this hoodie. I bought you this, you know, here's a bracelet. I thought of you when I saw it, that, that kind of thing. And so the idea is that by the time the adult attempts a sexual act, the child is already prepped for that. That's the whole point of the word. And so that means that um, the young person in that case is much, more, much less likely to report sexual abuse if they've been groomed in the sense because they either think they're special in the sense of they've been singled out by this person maybe that they admire and it's that's where it gets weird that's where it gets really troubling especially for high, high school age kids mm -hmm. um, is that if if an adult has the objective of sexual abuse and is playing the long game in terms of developing that relationship to get to a point where they can act with impunity, then what you're looking at is someone who has has likely set that become the sole trusted adult for the child or for the young person, right? So they don't really even know now, A, is this wrong? Because it doesn't feel wrong because it's been, you know, maybe there's a pet name, maybe there's 
this is just between you and me. You're so special. You're different than the other girls. You know, all of that kind of stuff. It makes it very difficult for uh, the young person to recognize that they're being played, which is really what it amounts to. Um, and I use that language not because it's um, at all playful. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but just the idea that they're being taken advantage I use it in the sense of being taken advantage of. It's insidious. I mean, you use the word, I think you're right uh, about that. Um, I know when, I don't know whether I should tell you guys this, but I'm about to anyway. When I was in high school, uh, I had a teacher who started flirting with me, dropping little notes in my locker, leaving notes on my homework, leave, you know, little pet names and things like that. And it made me, at the time, um, feel rather maybe even just a little bit special right because this adult that I admired and that I thought highly of was seeing me as his equal right or is because I thought I was a high school junior I was you know relatively intelligent I had good parents you know it wasn't something that it was like oh I was this weak link that somebody went after but it was, it was constant, little bits of attention, little bits of attention, little bits of attention, um, in a way that had me, um, it took a while for me to go, oh, wait, this is, this is not good. <laughs> this is, you know, because at first it felt kind of, felt kind of fun. Someone was flirting with me. It was a secret, you know, and, um, and then there was a point at which um, I was able to recognize that, that this was going nowhere good, right? And get myself out of that situation. But it, it was so simple for him to do. And then that's the part that scares me when I think about those kinds of behaviors, that it didn't take a lot for me to start thinking of him in that way rather than as a, just as my teacher. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is all very personal to me. It pisses me off. <laughs> um, and so um, I take it very seriously if it ever, when things get reported, um, and things, many of the things that Jasmine shared with me, I had already dealt with. Why did the students still feel the need to like go to her and complain? Like, well, the thing is, you don't know if there is an adult who is saying sexist things to the girls on his team. And nobody tells me. So that goes on for a couple of years until someone says enough. And that person comes forward and says, this is what's been going on. Right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I act. Right, but the girls who were there the two years before that mm. don't necessarily even know yeah. that that's what happened. They have their experience that they're holding on to, and that was terrible, and that should never have happened from a couple of years earlier. So some of what was reported was coming from, like I didn't know then, but I found out here, right, and dealt with it. But this person doesn't know that because they're long off going to college and working and doing their own life, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's that's some of what was some of what was going on. And sometimes what you can know in your gut 
and what you can prove are different things. And you see that sometimes if you ever, like me, get locked into watching a crime dramas on TV. Um, I learned everything I know from watching Law & Order. But uh, sometimes there are things that the police know or strongly suspect that they can't prove. Yeah. And the same thing is true. Like somebody might report something that they heard third hand, right, and come and tell me this this is what I, I heard this in the lunch line, right? And then you track down the two people they heard it from. Well, they had heard it from somebody too, right? And by the time you try to track it back to the source, it's changed five times. So this person who reported it may not be satisfied with the result because they, they heard the one thing that they heard, right? But by the time we've investigated and gone, try to walk all the way back, we don't necessarily have the same story. Or you have a situation where people that were there cover, right? Like, oh, he didn't say that. No, we didn't hear that. That did not happen. No, why do I have these five people over here saying it did, right? And that they heard it from you. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, so you get some of that uh, as well when you're trying to investigate. My point is the the adults that are full-time there are more steps that have to be taken, mm -hmm. more things you have to prove before you can take certain actions. There's some that you can take, and I do. There are things that I learned that maybe that a lot of kids knew that I didn't know, right? And so I act as soon as I find out, but there's already, maybe there's weeks or months of kids knowing before someone is brave enough to tell me Right? And then, but then I look like a jerk because I haven't dealt with it already. Right? So there's all this gossip and whisper going on, and I can't believe they haven't done anything. I can't believe they haven't done anything. How did that, how is this still going on when it hasn't been, you know, and I pride myself on knowing what's going on, but there's also things that I miss. There were a couple things that, some of the things that she described uh, from her own experience, I had not known which was horrifying to me, quite honestly. On a personal note, when I was a junior and I received an officer position, someone else in the same officer team told everyone that I got the officer position because I sucked someone's dick. That is the most disgusting and scarring thing anyone has ever said to me. Not only was it inherently a sexist thing to say, because you can't say that to guys or even if you did, it, it would be very problematic, right? It was so painful to hear because they undermined all of my hard work and accomplishments. And I think by having that rumor spread to everyone, it really opened my eyes to how serious that this problem is. Instead of the guys on my officer team realizing the cultural issue and the sexism and the manipulation and the abuse of power, they blamed me. Obviously, there was never anything that I ever did with any person of power, right, in sexual relations. That is a horrible rumor to make up. But he made that up because he recognized that there was something creepy. There was something terrifying going up, going on in this club, in this organization. But he couldn't point his finger to it. And there wasn't a way for him to explain. You know, I do feel uncomfortable with the way he's treating the girls on this 
organization. So I think that just shows how easy it is to victim blame. I think that shows that's a prime example of what could happen and what is happening every day in our high schools. And also I have another example of one of my friends. She had a really terrible predator teacher, a very creepy teacher that groomed students. And when she got an A on her exam, the guys in her grade said, you only got that grade because he wanted to get into your pants. And the guys in her class said that to everyone. I don't think people will ever realize how painful it is to hear those words and how scarring it is. Because when you hear something like that, who are you going to report it to, right? When I was hearing students making rumors up about me, am I going to tell the very person of power that is manipulating me? I'm stuck in a system where there's comments made about me, but I can't get out of it. I understand where people are coming from when they victim blame. I don't say I support it, but I understand because we grow up in a society and a culture where that's normal, right? Our parents teach us different values. Media teaches us different values. All of us grow up with different backgrounds. So of course, not everyone's gonna agree on everything I say or do. I also don't blame them because I understand that the school and the education system has not done enough to teach us about sexual harassment, about victim blaming, about, sec about like rape culture and everything. That's why part of my plan is to create a stronger education system with that ingrained in it. I'm not saying that I got a lot of pushback because honestly, like maybe that's 1% of all the responses that I got, which I think is really amazing. But that one kind of pushback, a lot of it was boys that were saying, not all men. And I want to be clear when I say, whenever people say men, like men this, men that, or predator men, predator men that, or white people this, white people that, or police this, police that, we never mean all. Okay, if your dad is a man, and if your dad is also a cop, I'm not saying your dad is bad, but when we call people out in that way and when we point out these issues, we're pointing out a systemic and cultural problem that is bad enough and widespread enough that we have to make every single one of you evaluate and reflect upon your actions and your biases. I have worked with hundreds of sexist boys and men in my lifetime, and I'm only 20. I have worked with hundreds of them, whether that's in the clubs, whether that's in group projects, whether it's at my internship. But no man that is sexist is going to call themselves sexist, right? Because if you think about it, if I grew up in this world, in America, and I have misogynistic beliefs against myself, and if I have biases, how could men not? You know, one of the main reasons why I did this whole thing online, why I posted everything, was because Cupertino High School clearly was not doing enough. So it was really just me putting public pressure on the school because I knew that if there's enough people talking about this, the school cannot hide from it, right? Because what does the school care more about their reputation? It should be safety, but it hasn't been. So... Yeah, in the first week, I remember when I posted everything, I set up a reporting process with Ms. Tomberlane with Cami, and 
she actually emailed me and she said, actually, sorry, I think I misunderstood our conversation. Could you take down all the reporting stuff on your Facebook and Instagram and everything? She asked me if I could take everything down because she didn't want to see it on the news. And the second I heard that, I actually like I broke down on the phone with her. And I said, I will not silence victims anymore. How can the news be something that you're scared of when it should be the student's safety and how traumatized everyone is? And I think when I said that, she understood what I meant. And I told her, there is no way I'm deleting anything. Because I think where Cammie was coming from was she said, she meant, can you send it to the students that already messaged you how to report? But that is 100% not enough. And the reason why I put reporting so publicly to the point where I put my life on the line, where there are hackers trying to hack my social media, where there are so many high school boys attacking me, right? There's a reason why I put myself on the line. It's so that people can actually trust someone with this. In that conversation, I think me and Cami both learned something. I learned that, yeah, like her job isn't easy. She has to really make sure that the school has good reputation and that parents are satisfied and that students are feeling safe. She has a huge job that doesn't just encompass Cupertino High School, but also she's part of the leadership in the district, right? So I understand why it's so important for her to make sure that this doesn't get on the news. But in contrast, I believe it should be on the news. And I think that's what she learned when I told her, there's no way I'm silencing victims. The reason why this has to be public is so that more reports can come forward. I misunderstood what she was planning. So she and I talked about reaching back out to the people that had, um, so I was a little surprised when it showed up the way it did on social media with just a tell your story. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'll acknowledge I was surprised because that's not what I thought we had talked about. But once, um, so so what I thought we had talked about was that she was gonna send an email and she showed me what she was gonna write and we talked about it and I was like, yeah, that's perfect. I thought she was going to send an email directly back to the people that had already re- said something to her, to mm-hmm. encouraging them to reach out to me and to tell their story, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought was happening. So I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, and we had a good collaborative effort on writing what she was going to write. And then just a couple of hours later, there's this giant yellow post, right, with red letters. And, and I was like, what the heck? So that wasn't what I pictured. Right. So I called and I was like, help me understand this. Um, and so we had a discussion um, about that. Um, and, like, and, she's, and she felt very strongly that it needed to be public like that. And it needed to maybe draw in more voices than had already been heard. And I was like, okay, then that's what we'll do. Even if I didn't think it was okay, there's really not much I could do about it. <laughs> but, I, and I, but I had no intention of silencing anybody. Um, and so that's when I started posting myself on the different, I posted on Instagram and I posted on Facebook as well and a multiple posts from different alums and different individuals that were posting the, the, the link to just say, yeah, I wanna know. Here is the Associate Superintendent of the Fremont Union High School District, Tom Avakumovitz talking about the district's protocol for dealing with cases of inappropriate teacher-student contact. Anytime there's an allegation of an inappropriate student-teacher contact, we investigate right away. And um, we have investigated uh, situations throughout the district for many years uh, whenever there's a, a report of a possible 
uh, situation. And so we, we take it very seriously. We conduct a thorough investigation. And I can assure you that uh, the situations, the specific ones that were ever brought forward were certainly addressed very seriously. You know, and there's levels of discipline. So for example, if there's a crime that's been committed, we call the police. So what is the point when this sort of case reaches the district as opposed to being handled by like the school's administration? We're very much a team. Um, if Ms. Tomberlane hears a report, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, she's gonna call uh, the district office support right away. Um, she can call me, uh, she often does, or my colleague Trudy Gross, uh, and uh, so we have a team of cabinet level uh, folks, uh, four associate superintendents and the superintendent, and we are on call 24 seven. And uh, right away, the school is gonna let us know. And so then we plan together, okay, how do we address this? What do we know? What are the facts? What are the allegations? Let's plan a response. And, uh, and we get on it right away. We don't sit on it. Incidents of inappropriate teacher-student contact can emerge in various ways. Yes, you want to get to know your kids. Yes, you want to be emotionally available to your students when they need help. Yes, you want to have fun and create an environment where the kids trust each other and they trust you and, that, and all of that. Yes, all of that is true. And it's not about you, right? It's not about the adult. Like, it's fine for teachers to be telling you stories about their life, about their vacation, their dog, their house project, their, oh, when I was a kid, we did this, that. That's yeah, fine. It's perfectly, that human, that's part of human nature. That's totally fine. What isn't okay is to say, some, you know, to talk about, um, you know, I don't have a girlfriend and, you know, I feel this way and this way. And then to sort of create sympathy, to try to evoke sympathy or empathy on the part of the students so that maybe some of them try to make you feel better in whatever way that that might come to. Social media makes it harder. You know, um, I don't have kids on my social media, on my, like on my Facebook or whatever, not that y'all are on Facebook anymore, but, if, but you know, there, there was a time, there was a time when um, students were forever asking, like, can I be your friend on Facebook? Like, absolutely not <laughs> right absolutely not but that's easy for me i'm old right i mean people want to be on my facebook page for for whatever reason it wasn't because they wanted to be my best buddy so if you're just starting out in your professional life that's all you've ever known and all the things all the people you connect with you're connected in some way on social media it's easy for those lines to get blurry um, even if no one intended for them to be blurred. You know, the idea that an adult would in some way take advantage of a kid knowing that they're needed, that's part of what's disgusting about this whole story, right? So one of the things I put in here, um, one form of sexual harassment is the idea of quid pro quo, which was very big in the Kavanaugh hearings, which you guys might or might not have paid attention to yeah. a couple years ago, but... Quid pro quo, um, where it implies that a sexual favor will, will result in preferential treatment, like a better grade or a better status in the club or a letter of rec or something like that. And it doesn't have to 
end up being a sexual favor per se, right? So it might be, uh, well, if you don't come in for this kind of before school coaching, one-to-one, you'll never have the right kind of status in this club or you know those kinds of things. And look, we talk to our uh, adults on campus all the time about being advisors, right? So that a, a, a young person could come to any one of us and with a problem and that we somebody would be available to help them, right? But if as an adult I'm engaging in that kind of a counseling perhaps relationship with you, Ashley, then I shouldn't also be your coach and your club advisor. Like I shouldn't have multiple um, power positions over you. Like it's not enough just to say, tell a trusted adult because once you're, you're feeling like that, right? It's hard to know who to trust. Like who's the, tr- who's the trustworthy person I should, I should be telling, right? Another teacher? Well, maybe they'll just protect their peer. Maybe I, so I don't, maybe that's not gonna work. While managing such cases as they crop up, the school also has to maintain their reputation and avoid widespread panic. To me, it's more important to be transparent and to say, this is what we're thinking about, this is what's being talked about, this is what we need to um, discuss and figure out. It's way more important to do that and just lay it on the table than it is to say, to try to shush everything up to, so that Cupertino has this polished image. Um, I want our graduates to be proud to be graduates of Cupertino High School. I don't want them walking around thinking that the school sweep things under the rug or covers things up or like, I was horrified, quite frankly, by what Jasmine told me happened to her. Um, and I talked to a couple of other uh, young, peop- young people that uh, gave me some specifics as well that made me like, like, it's a gut, a gut punch. I mean, I was asleep for a week trying to figure out what, what did I miss, right? Um, and so, and as I said, this is not just a, an academic issue. I mean, it was personal to me, but it's also so important to me that all the students who are here, that the adults who are in this build, building are here to benefit students and not to benefit themselves, right? That they're here to take care of kids, not to harm kids. Um, and so um, there's, if there's something that needs to be said, I'll say it. If there's something that we need to call law enforcement, it'll be in all the newspapers, you know? So it'll be the kind of thing that is, that is public um, because I think that's how you keep a reputation is to, for it to be known that a positive reputation in the community is that where it's known that if there's an issue, it's going to be dealt with rather than it's going to be ignored or there's going to be some sort of um, pretense, you know, pretense. But as you're also, tr- it's also true that I don't want people freaking out right it's not like you're going to walk into five out of your six classes next fall and and be worried like you shouldn't walk into five out of your six classes and worry that that person is there to to do harm right so i don't want that level of anxiety either i just want people to feel confident that if something's going on that makes them feel uncomfortable or that they worry about that they know that it's safe 
and productive to come and let somebody know. If there's a perception that the district is trying to sweep something under the rug, I would challenge that assumption. It's simply not true. Parents and students should know that we take this issue very seriously. Every single uh, allegation that has come forward, we have investigated and will continue to investigate because student safety is our paramount objective. I take these reports very seriously and I have and will continue to act to make sure that our campus is a safe place for kids to grow and to learn. That's our primary purpose and anything that takes away from that is not okay. So if you have a story to tell, I want to know. I think the end result of this, I know this is going to sound kind of dramatic. <laughs> this is definitely going to sound kind of dramatic, but I'm really trying to change the world here. So I'm trying to change people's perspectives on what harassment can look like, on what manipulation and predators can look like. They can be the very teachers that you are inspired by. Thank you for listening to the Prospector podcast. Look out for the second part of this two-part series where we cover the solutions to this problem. Thank you to Jasmine Till, Cupertino High School Principal Cami Tomberlane, and Associate Superintendent of the Fremont Union High School District, Tom Avakumovitz, for being willing to speak to us. This episode was edited by me, Sanat Singhal, interviews conducted by both Ashley Kang and me, and the graphic designed by Stella Gia. Until next time, stay home and stay tuned.